Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Legendary sportscaster Dan Patrick of The Dan Patrick Show celebrates his 65th birthday today. I caught up with him to discuss sports in the pandemic era, his favorite sports movie, and memories of hosting NBC's Football Night in America and ESPN's Center. Welcome to the big show. How are you? I hope I can deliver whatever needs to be delivered here. But uh, <laughs> thanks for the invitation. Is this basically your, you know, your serious XM show, the same show, but with Peacock replacing the, the YouTube for the simulcast? Yeah, it's just a different TV partner. Uh, we graduated from YouTube to Peacock. This is the future of our business, whether it's going to be, you know, how you stream your shows. I, I was uh, on the front lines of CNN. I started there when CNN started. I was there in the early stages, the embryonic stages of ESPN, uh, the early stages of doing a simulcast radio show on TV. And I think that's where we are with Peacock. And I haven't been wrong on the other ones, and I don't think I'm wrong on this. I just think that that's, that's the future of uh, you know, entertainment and how you get it. What guests do you have coming up? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm on a need-to-know basis, but we, we just do it in accordance to what is the, the day's news. And if we throw in somebody um, who might be promoting a movie or if there's music or something like that, then we do that. But, you know, you, you just sort of do it day to day and say, all right, who's the newsmaker that makes the most sense there? And sometimes you have those home run guests. If Adam Sandler, Will Ferrell, uh, they join you or Jim Parsons from the Big Bang Theory. But, you know, for the most part, we try to stay in our lane with what we do well and, uh, you know, throwing a few surprises. Yeah, well, it doesn't matter who's joining you. You're your own bazinga. You're, you're the star anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is, I mean, it's a bizarre time, obviously, to be doing a sports show with the virus going on. There's almost like a game within a game going on. On the field and then what happens off the field and the, you know, the risk rolling the dice that some of these guys are, uh, are playing with right now. Do you have a, a preference on the, the cardboard cutouts in the stands or empty stands, piped in audio or no? What's, what's the Dan Patrick take? I vowed when I saw it, I would not be critical because it's just like the bubble with the NBA. I was not going to criticize if there's no fans or lack of ambiance. I don't care. I, I'm fine with whatever they want to put in there, cardboard cutouts, if they want to do any other visuals in there, sound effects in there, I don't care. All I ask for is that we had sports coming back. So I can't go, now that they're back, oh, now I'm going to complain about the way they look. I'm fine with this. No complaints out of me whatsoever with any cardboard cutouts. <laughs> yeah, the, car, the cutouts look a little weird, but I do like the piped-in audio. I do think it, it would be very dull without it. I actually kind of like da -na 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 -na, chart, <laughs> but there's no one to say chart. But anyway, um, well, before we move to the other sports, like you mentioned, um, one, one last localized, you know, because we're a D.C. station. What's your take on, you know, the Nats? And then also, I'm an Orioles fan. Baltimore's right up the road. I'm all for having the Orioles back at least being relevant because there were times when I would watch, no one was at the game. And that pitching staff was horrible. Chris Davis was hitting as many home runs as I was. And this was a once great, proud organization. And uh, then you have the Nationals, the Nats just down the road being great. That had to hurt even more. Uh, I love watching Scherzer. I, I, you know, there's a, a, if you think about it, though, Jace, how many players do you tune in that you would actually tune in to see a baseball player? Right. Um, Scherzer's one of them. Bryce Harper is one of them. Mike Trout is not tune-in factor. 
Best player in the game, not tune-in factor. Aaron Judge, Judge tune-in factor. Judge, yeah. Garrett Cole, when he's on the mound, is tune-in factor. That's where you, if you know that they're going to be pitching or playing, that you would actually stop to watch or seek them out. And baseball has an identity crisis. You know, we get upset with Fernando Tatis Jr. because he has the audacity to hit a grand slam where his team is up by seven runs in the eighth inning. And I go, okay, what is the unwritten rule of how many runs can you be up and still swing on a 3-0 pitch in the eighth inning? It's just silly. I'm with you. I'm with you. We don't celebrate anything. Oh, he's trying to show up the pitcher. Baseball needs to remember, have some fun. They're the one sport that's a buzzkill. Nobody gets to have fun in baseball. Can't celebrate. Oh, if you do, I'm going I'm to throw a pitch at the next guy. Right. It's entertainment. Baseball forgot about the entertainment portion of the game. Well, and let's say he takes that walk and doesn't swing at the 3-0 pitch, and then the other team comes back and they beat him. You're kicking yourself. So you got to play to win the game, as, as Herm said. Well, but you can't go up there and go, mm, how do I politely make an out? Because we're <laughs> up by seven runs. In today's game, where all you do is try to hit home runs, how safe is a safe lead? And, and that's where, you know, these pitchers have got to grow up, you know, and stop being a baby. How yeah. dare you hit a 3-0 pitch? Okay, you're the one that gave up the other runs. Like, what role did you play? And you get paid to get me out. I get paid to get a hit. You know what? You didn't do your job, so now I have, you know, throw. It, this is what they should do. The team in the field should just take a knee and then say, we give up. We, give up. we <laughs> surrender. There's a mercy rule. We can't come back. We're down seven runs. If they want to do that, then fine. But this isn't Little League. This isn't T-ball. These are grown men. Yeah, throw a better pitch if you don't want them to hit it out. That's what I say. All right, pivoting to uh, football. We have that coming up here on the horizon. What localized storylines are you looking at? Is uh, Lamar Jackson real? Like, is he, now you take the next step. Can he take another step here where he took a giant leap? He was Neil Armstrong. And, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson, if you want to be the elite quarterback, or mentioned, you do it in the postseason. Regular season's fun. Postseason is where you become famous. Yeah, postseason, that's how Mahomes did it. So you mentioned the Ravens, uh, but also the other team in our area, the Washington football team. Oh, what, yeah. what was your reaction? And, and, you know, for years and years, decades, you've been ingrained in your head to say, you know, with the R word. Yeah, and, I know. Uh, so now, you know, what's your take on the fact that they're changing it? And, you know, what do you think should, a new name should be? Well, I joked about this prior to the announcement of the Washington football team. Because I said, why don't you just do it like uh, soccer, like the Washington football club? And I just threw it out there on my show. I come in the next day and my producer says, uh, you know what the new name is, Washington football team. And I go, what's the nickname? No, they're the Washington football team. I go, oh, my God. So they're doing that. Um, it's interesting how we move on in the media. Because remember, Dan Snyder was a real hot topic there for a variety of reasons. What was going on in the office, the Washington Post story, what was going on with the nickname. Uh, you know, you fire some people. He's on his yacht somewhere in the south of France or wherever he was. <laughs> and then we moved on from it. Yeah. And, you know, we kind of forgot about, well, wait a minute here. So there's still a lot. It's really combustible with that. And I felt bad for Ron Rivera because we had him on our show. And I said, Ron, you should not be the person who has to come out here and take all these bullets. You should not be taking the slings and arrows. It wasn't fair to him, but he's a classy guy and he did it. And 
you can't have people keep apologizing for Dan Snyder. Dan Snyder has to apologize for Dan Snyder or sell this team. But you do have a little – you got some weapons there. You got some help on the defensive side of the ball. And you're in that division. I'm curious about that. I just felt bad for, for Ron Rivera. Hey, Ron, you just got in town. You probably don't know uh, very many people's names. Could you meet with the media and tell them some nice things about us? <laughs> and that's basically what – he already became employee of the month, you know, by, by those things. But he was the one guy who got out in front, and I applauded him for it. I just felt bad for him. Yeah, I mean, the question is really whether, you know, Dan Snyder can stay out of the way. I mean, he ruined the whole Schottenheimer. That was our best shot at it. And ran Shanahan out of town. It, the, the story goes on and on. But Well, the problem is these guys make the money to buy a team, but they're not smart enough to let people run the team. And, and that's where the great owners allow who they hire to do their jobs. When Daniel Snyder says, hey, we're taking Dwayne Haskins. Okay, how would you feel if you're Jay Gruden at the time and you don't want Dwayne Haskins, but you have to take Dwayne Haskins and then make him work in the last year of your contract? You know, he was a dead man walking there. So, you know, Jerry Jones has been great, but he's also been the biggest drawback, the negative for the Cowboys, because Jerry, the owner, is pretty good. Jerry, the GM, is not good or hasn't been good. Uh, you know, they lucked into Dak Prescott. They didn't want – they didn't – they wanted Connor Cook out of Michigan State, and he went to the Raiders. They took Dak Prescott. So, all right, I'll give you sort of a little bit of credit. You did some homework on him, but, you know, Jerry usually, when he does something, he wanted Johnny Manziel. They were going to take Johnny Manziel first round a couple of years ago, and that's Jerry the GM. So when you have these owners, they can make money, but they don't make, you know, good choices when it comes to do I get involved and how much do I get involved. You know, the Giants owners don't get involved. The Steelers owners don't get involved you, with the Patriots. You know, you're not getting involved. You're letting the people do the job. And I think if you look down through history, those teams have been successful as a result. Yeah. Uh, do you have thoughts on what you'd like the new name to be? What, what do you think? Well, I kept thinking from the beginning, if I'm Dan Snyder, First of all, I'd have no problem. I'd go kicking and screaming to give you the optics of, I'm not happy about this, but privately as a businessman, I'm going, a whole new stream of revenue. I got more merchandise now. And what I would have done, and maybe he'll do this, is I would have kept the script R, and I would have had whatever your nickname's going to be, have it start with an R. So you still keep that iconic-looking helmet and that you know script R, and then whatever you call it after that, I'm fine with. But that would have been my uh, kind of business plan going in. Yeah, and you keep the burgundy and gold, so you don't have to yeah. change any of that. The fans still have the, you know, the good memories, but then they can move on to the new era. Yeah. Um, all right, well, I mean, you're Boone Peacock. You're back. You, know, you, you went into the NBC fold when you, you went with the football night in America. You know, memories of, of that, that run you had there, doing a couple Super Bowls and, and the like. It was great. I've done a lot of things. I've been very fortunate. But hosting that first Super Bowl in Tampa, you had the Steelers and the Cardinals, and you had the Cardinals maybe winning the Super Bowl, and Ben Roethlisberger leads the Steelers down the two-minute drive, and you know Santana, uh, Santanio, what, what am I? Antonio Holmes. So, yeah. Santonio Holmes. And he Kurt Warner hit Larry Fitzgerald too, right before that. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. yeah, and you had the you know play at the end of the first half. Like there were there were just so many plays. And I was getting, I was going to hand out the Super Bowl trophy and the game ends, then that hits you. You're handing out the Super Bowl trophy 
And by rough estimates, you have 100 million people who are watching you. And you're basically trying to do it so they don't know that you did it. You just don't want to screw up. And I remember Joe Namath was walking up with the trophy and the players were touching it. I got the commissioner on my left. I got the owner of the Steelers. I got Roethlisberger next to me. Uh, I got uh, Mike Tomlin. Like you're just, then it hits you. I'm a kid from a small town in Ohio, and I'm ready to hand out the Super Bowl trophy. And the coolest part is I didn't tell anybody in my family that I was going to do it. So they're tuning in, watching it, and then realizing I'm handing out the Super Bowl uh, trophy. And it's probably the, the best moment I ever had, just because who gets an opportunity to do that? And I got a chance to do it four times, and um, I never took it for granted. You know, it was always... Just try to do it and not screw up. And, uh, you know, hopefully I was able to do that. Oh, you definitely did. Now, well, I'd be remiss before we run if I don't at least uh, ask uh, one memory of, you know, Sports Center. Most of us grew up watching you on that. How much, how do you think working with guys like, like Stuart Scott and Rich Eisen and the whole long list, how do you think that made you better so that by the time you got to Football Night in America, by the time you got to Dan Patrick Show on Peacock, you are the seasoned vet you are? <laughs> Well, I think there was so much competition there. That's what people don't understand. It was very, very competitive because each show thought they were better than the other shows. So the six o'clock with Charlie Steiner, Robin Roberts, and Bob Lee, they thought they were better than us. And then Stuart Scott and Rich Eisen thought they were better than myself and Keith Oberman. When we called ourselves the big show, we did that to mock ourselves. We didn't know who was watching. So we would just say, welcome to the big show. And then you had the other shows that wanted to have a name. Like, it was just really, really competitive. So you wanted to put up a good show every single night. There's not one time where I went, you know what? I'm not into it. It was every night was the Super Bowl. It just felt like you've got to be great. And uh, I had great respect for, you know, the guys that I work with. But, you know, we went – Oberman and I went through a five-year period where we would take on anybody. I'd match those shows with anybody with what we did and how we did it. Because at the time, you have to understand, management didn't embrace us. Management fought us all the way. Now they want you to be that way. Now, you know, and it's hard to find talent nowadays. But back then, Keith and I would do a show where we didn't know if we were going to get yelled at the next day. And we would actually have inside jokes where we'd make fun of our bosses on the air. Uh, some of the things that they would say to us in the office, we might use that as a catchphrase later on that night. Like we were really tiptoeing around management. Uh, now they took credit for us when we became successful, but they fought us and, uh, you know, at one time threatened us, uh, you know, with our jobs. So that made it great. It was live TV. There was no net. And there was so much fun in that because you, you got on the air and you can go. And uh, that made me, I, I was able to adapt to any situation after doing that. You do 200 some shows a year, live TV at 11 o'clock at night. And uh, you're able to kind of uh, see the light at the end of the tunnel. You're ready for anything that, you know, is going to come your way in this business. Yeah. All right. Well, you've been more than generous with your time. So thanks so much. Final question before we go. I am our entertainment editor and our movie critic here. So I got to ask you, <laughs> what, is, what is your favorite either sports movie or just movie in general? 
Uh, I thought you were going to ask me my favorite Sandler movie that I've been involved in. <laughs> well, that too. Because <laughs> it's been, I think, 17 movies. Um, I, I would probably do the uh, Just Go With It, where it's Jennifer Aniston, Nicole Kidman, Dave Matthews, and myself, and I'm a, a nightclub owner, and uh, my scene is a dance contest. And uh, that's where you realize Kidman and Aniston, those are real stars. Like, I'm around Sandler. I'm friends with Sandler for a long time. You're standing next to Aniston and Kidman. Then it kind of hits you like, boy, what am I doing? And they look at you as if they think you're an actor. They don't know I'm just a friend of Sandler's that he puts it, me in a movie just because he gets a kick out of it. Aniston and Kidman are actually going, I don't know if this guy's any good. And I was just trying to get that scene done before they found out that I had no idea what I was doing. Right. But do you have a favorite sports movie, though? Probably Bull Durham. I, I just, I love the feel of it. I think Susan Sarandon was brilliant. And, and deserved an Academy Award. I thought she was wonderful in what she did in that role. Costner was Costner. Uh, you just, you know, and then Tim Robbins playing Nuke Lelouch. They did a really good job with it. And I, no matter where it is in the movie, when I tune in, I stay with it just because I, I'm so familiar with it. It just feels, it's like a nice bathrobe or something. You just go, this is good. I know, what, I know what's going to happen and I still want to watch it. Yeah, well, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, and sometimes it rains, and sometimes there are cardboard cutouts in the stands. <laughs> you went full circle on me. Exactly. Well done. Hey, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Jace. Good luck. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.